is very good afternoon. It's Niall Boyle of the Niall Boyle Podcast. They told me to shut up. But see, I, I, I just don't shut up. Really, nobody can actually tell me to shut up. We've lots to get to today, and I want to get your calls throughout the show, by the way. We will have some guests to talk to, but I do want to get your calls. It's really, really important. Uh, so please, WhatsApp or text at any stage at 85 100 That's 85 100 Now, what we decided to tackle today, and I'll tell you the reason why I decided to tackle that, because over 5,000 offers of social housing were refused in the last two years. Some of the reasons are bonkers, by the way. Kildare seems to be the worst. And Leitrim, can I point out, by the way, mind you, I might understand Leitrim. There's very few local services available for people in Leitrim. It's a little bit overpopulated for the size of the town. But some of the reasons that people will, um, I suppose, refuse social housing. Not enough room for storage for my motorbike. Uh, bedrooms being too small. Only one bathroom. Heaven forbid. I was raised in a council house many years ago. There was a queue for the bathroom. There was five of us in the house. You had to knock on the door and hopefully somebody wasn't in there reading the newspaper. Uh, The other thing as well is not close enough to my mother. I mean, if you're in the private sector and you're purchasing a home and your mother happens to live in Docky or Kalini or Fox Rock or Malahide or Port Marnock or any fancy place in Ireland, kind of leafy suburb, you're probably not going to be able to afford to live beside her anyway. So that's kind of discrimination, isn't it? By you're giving people preference to live beside their mother. Anyway, the reason I decided to go down this road was because it brings up this idea of a constitutional right to a home. More than six out of ten Irish people believe the right to housing should be enshrined in the Constitution. Now, Ireland has no constitutional basis or legally established right to housing. However, Ireland has established housing policy to guide the government for housing provision and programmes. But the Citizens' Assembly are meeting, as they are about everything else. Uh, they have a lot of things to be doing in the Citizens' Assembly at the moment, if you have any truth or any basis in what they actually do or you believe in what they do. But they're hoping to have a referendum. Two years ago, Fianna Fáil and the private member's bill said the referendum would happen within 18 months. Here we are two years later, it hasn't happened. It would be practically impossible for us to vote at this particular moment in time on you know the right to housing in this country because the courts would be full. Because we have a housing crisis. So realistically, I can't see it practically ever happening unless we fix the housing crisis first. And then you might get the odd case of the High Court where somebody decides they haven't been given provision for housing. So what does housing mean? Currently at the moment in the Constitution, you have a right to shelter. Shelter means a hostel. It doesn't mean a tent, by the way, but it means a hostel, temporary accommodation. The government is not in breach of its, its obligations to you if they put you up or make those available to you. And they are available, generally speaking. They have been a little bit in short supply at the moment, obviously, with 100,000 people coming into the country or over 100,000 in the last 12 months. That's made it difficult for the government. But generally speaking, that has been provided over the last 50 years. But the, ha- the right to a house or somewhere permanent to call home is a little bit more difficult and a bitter pill for some to swallow. And I want to know if you agree with it. Would you be voting yes for the right to a permanent home, which I suppose is a house or an apartment, depending on what you want? Would you be in favour of that? Let me know what you think. The number is, as usual, 85 100 That's 85 100 Joining me on the line... It's Carl Dieter, who's a financial analyst and an expert when it comes to property. And also Peter Dooley, who ran as independent candidate in the last election. And also with the Dublin Renters Union. Good evening, lads. How are you? Hiya. Um, Firstly, Peter, let's just go to you first. Peter, the idea that, firstly, well, we were meant to have a referendum this year. I can't see it happening. I'm sure you can't see it happening either. But explain to me why you believe it's so important for the right to a permanent home or somewhere to call home. I think it's vital in any civilized or progressive society that the right to a home is uh, paramount for the foundation block of any society. I think having a home is a social good, is a basic 
as I said, building block towards building a better society and economy for everyone. Like giving mm. everybody an opportunity to have a home from from uh, a young age is vital. Like we see a horrific amount of it's our own humanity, full blown humanitarian crisis in the context of the housing crisis at the moment. Uh, over nearly twelve and a half thousand people in emergency accommodation, three hundred thousand people in so-called hidden homeless, and up to a million people, as we know, renting as well, being forced into the insecure private rental market because of the government's and the EU's reliance on the private market to profit and make, for so many people to make money as an investment uh, commodity rather than seeing it as a, as a basic social good for society. And I think it's vital to have proper legislation in place, proper enforcement of that legislation, and it's as I said, it's a foundation block of of a decent and uh, okay. Humane. Sh- should that council? But should they? Here, here's the real question, and we we are in a difficult situation. We're at a very odd juncture at the moment. But should that situation or that constitutional right apply to everybody in the country, only Irish citizens? I mean, should ever anybody who arrives on our doorsteps, maybe and claims asylum, for example, or a Ukrainian refugee, should they be entitled to housing and home or somewhere to permanently call home if indeed they decide to stay? Well, the government has deliberately sowed division in society and sowed division deliberately because of their policies, uh, reliance, as I said, in the private market. Uh, there are serious issues regarding migration that should be addressed. Uh, having the policy they're having currently in terms of uh, providing homes for people who are Ukrainian refugees or, or other refugees has created a serious system of refugees in our society. It's also pitted Irish people, for instance, against many others who are battling for scarce resources in society. So I, I think... It asks a deeper question of what democracy is, I think, and you know, I think that's a, that's a more fundamental question in terms of who makes decisions in Irish society. I think you you alluded to that six out of ten people would see a home being a social good in society, or would be, would a be basic human right, I suppose. I think, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think if that's a basic foundation block of society, surely then we should have we should be able to decide on policy of the state, such as uh, housing policy, such as health policy, such as migration policy, it should be down to the, the citizens and people of Ireland. I think that's a that's a basic okay. question. I think it's uh, basic Carl, fundamental okay. point of democracy. Carl, it's a fair point. You know, water is a basic human right. Well, we would class it as a basic human right. Food is a human right. Surely not just shelter, but somewhere to permanently call home that you're not sitting wondering are you going to be evicted the following week. Surely that should be a basic human right. Well, look, let's just be really clear. We're talking about a constitutional right. We're not talking about basic rights because nobody agrees that you should be starving or any of these things or have no water. We're talking about putting it in the Constitution, okay? And in the Constitution, you have no constitutional right to food, okay? Which is an even more basic human right. And that's where this becomes a laughingstock because what we're talking about is saying to people, do you believe you should have a right to housing? Yeah, I do. I think we should house people. You know, it's not in the Constitution. Should it be a constitutional right? When you frame the question that way, of course, six out of ten people will say yes because they don't actually have a clue even what the Constitution covers. But you're, but you're saying there's no constitutional right to food. There <laughs> technically kind of is because if we look at the other referendum <laughs> oh, that they want to no, have, which is, is a woman's place actually, in the home, a woman it, does it, not have not to go mentioned. to work to necessitate feeding it, or, or it, raising it, her children. It, 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 food is not mentioned as a right in the Constitution we are talking about that specifically. What you do see is things like But the state has a duty to citizens and children what, in the Constitution. What you see is things like Article 42, 41.2, sorry, where it guarantees to protect the family in its constitution and authority as the necessary basis of social order and indispensable to the welfare of the nation and state. So there's a lot of implied rights in the Constitution. For instance, 
The Constitution offers you no right to privacy. You don't have that right. But all of us agree that you do have a right to privacy because it's an inferred right. Equally, Ireland has also signed up to things like the UN Declaration on Human Rights. Article 25 says everyone should have the right of well-being, including food, clothing, housing. We've covered this. This is not about housing. This is a political point for the ardent leftists who you know, usually will say, look, it's it, it's it's a it's a left progressive talking point to try to make this idea that if we write something down it'll build houses it doesn't equally loads of rights that you have aren't in the constitution so putting it in there it's not going to change anything but it's all we well and good but isn't it all well and good we for the middle or the upper space. but Carl it's all well and good for the middle or high earners and the and the upper class you know to turn around and say well. Everybody else shouldn't be getting something for nothing if I have to pay for it. When realistically, there, well, there are many people in this country who will struggle to even get themselves a one-bedroom apartment. It, look, even people in social housing don't get something for nothing. You still pay for it. Now, that we chronically mismanage our social housing, of which there are hundreds and thousands of homes, many of them chronically uh, full of empty rooms that we could solve homelessness tomorrow if we could manage our social housing stock. But because when you get a social house once, you get it for life, you know, because we mismanage it, we actually have a lot of the solutions in place. And we just refuse to address the elephant in the room, which is fixing it with the existing housing that we already have that could end homelessness tomorrow. But everybody's afraid to turn around and say, you know, because you lived in that house for 10 years, asking you to resize or move to, you know, a different house. Well, I mean, you can, you can ask. You can't but do that. Yeah, yeah, but you can ask. But if Mary is living in Fingless and her husband has passed away and her three kids have moved on in their lives and got their own homes and she's living in a three-bedroom house in a community, you can ask, you can incentivize. But if she doesn't want to move, she doesn't want to move. And what are you going to do, turf her out? Look, look, in the same way that if someone was in a public hospital bed, I wouldn't let them say, actually, I, I want to stay in the hospital. i just say, look, this is a public resource. When you signed up, you got a public resource. We all have an interest in this country. My kids, your kids, everyone's friends, families, mothers, dads. If we're truly a nation and these are public resources, you can't commandeer them. Because if you want to commandeer something, go buy it. That's the way it is. Okay, well, okay, well, like well, well, let me come back to Peter. Peter, the, the argument against this whole idea of giving away housing, essentially, and, and guaranteeing people, you know, a house or a home or somewhere permanent that they have to live is that it doesn't create ambition. In other words, that, that you know, should, why should I bother working? I might as well just walk out of the studio here. Should the government's going to give me a house anyway? They'll provide me with housing. They'll provide me with social welfare. They'll provide me with food. They'll provide me with everything. So then there's no incentive for me to actually do anything at all, realistically. People will still do it. But realistically, Carl is right. It does bad management. And I'm sure you accept there's bad management when it comes to the housing stock in Ireland, that we've got one person living in a three-bedroom house and you've got a whole family living in a two-bedroom house or a hotel room or an apartment. Well, absolutely. Since the foundation of the Irish state over 100 years ago, uh, two out of every three council houses, public houses, built through our public money has been sold off. Now we're many in, a, in the hands of private landlords. All the states, Dollar Trail, Dublin, Dollar Trail, Ireland, are actually in the hands of private landlords. Rather than actually keeping the public private housing for the public good. You know, that's what it should be kept for. I fundamentally agree with you there, Carl, because it should be kept for the public good. And they've sold it off, but now much is in the hands of private landlords. But you're making private landlords out to be the bad guys here. Like It's like it's not good cop, bad cop. I mean, a lot of them are just incidental people who happen to have an extra property. The the issue is a lot of this public housing stock has been sold off at huge discounts, up to 70% off the the value of these homes as well, has been sold off to huge discounts. Now people... Are, are set, could sell them off, families could sell them off eventually and then end up in the hands of the private market. 
investors. But you, yeah, but you know why that happened. But hang on, Peter. You know, back in the 1980s, when Dublin Corporation, of course, owned a huge amount of housing stock in Dublin, and I know because I lived in one of them and need more, they sold the housing stock off, you're right, at a huge discount because they sold it off at the cost it would have cost when they first moved in. But my father's case, in the mid-1980s, it was £1,600 to buy the house, which was a ridiculously low price. My father then passed away. I, I inherited the house and so did my sister. And then we sold it for whatever it was, 190 or 200,000 euro. So we not, made a profit not. from the state, which is wrong. And I get you. I get where you're going. But the reason they did that was because they couldn't afford to maintain the massive housing stock they had at the time. Niall, Dublin, Dublin Council didn't sell to landlords. When you talk about selling at a discount, that was actually sell. The only way you got that discount or could buy a council house is if you lived in it. So saying that it's full of landlords, it's not. It's full but of they, but they were then in, but they were then homes. sold but they were then sold yeah, on. Yeah, but but that that's like me I, saying, you know, someone someone built a hammer, you know, and ten ten transactions down the line it was used to, to break incorrect. a window. That, that's that's not factually that's incorrect. factually the vast, vast majority of council homes that were ever sold from the council went to the families that were living in those homes and they did get a discount. Is it wrong? Yes, but it's not like it went like straight council to landlord or some a big conspiracy or something. That's not what happened. Well, look what happens. Well, look, all this all this public housing stock is now in the hand, hands of private hands. First of all, you had a tenant purchase scheme. Second private all, hands is good, isn't it? Se- se- second, well, no, well, not not when it's a put, not not when it's for the public good, not when it's something that's built through public well, money. Well, all of our taxes part of the should be built too. for the public good. Hence, we have a public system. But unfortunately, in Ireland, what we have now is the drive towards uh, selling off our council housing. Ended up in the hands of these private landlords, a lot of vulture landlords who can actually, because some people in the market, even first-time buyers from possibly buying those homes, can entertain the prospect of that. And then at the same time, the idiot, idiocy of the policy of of uh, using public money to boost the coffers of these big landlords, over 500 million euro last year was paid in housing assistance payments instead of building sustainable public homes for people where you can use, you can maintain the stock, you can use the rent to uh, look after the stock and, and invest in more public homes. But that's, they didn't do that with the housing that we have. It, but that's not true. Because but, but, we've but, never but, but he, but he does have a point, Carl, 25 we million. Well, hang on, well, hang on. 20, 25 million alone in Dublin is paid per month to private landlords on the housing assistance payments, which is the HAP scheme. 25 million. Imagine what we could be doing with that. Over, over half of that goes straight back into the tax system. A large chunk of that goes into local property tax. It also provides housing, let's not forget, which when you say when you say twenty five million, the alternative is is a horrific amount of homelessness. So let's just be really clear here. Well, okay. let's just be really clear. I just want to counter that that point you were saying, Carl, because I think that's incorrect. Fundamentally, the question is about the European Union. In 2009, part of our conditions as a bank bailout was to stop building public housing. That was part of the conditions. And then we've seen what happened. The collapse of the, the collapse of the society because of the introduction of vulture funds. And now we're in a situation now where we have a, a huge amount of people being forced into homelessness, uh, unaffordable rents, all these vultures yeah. throughout Dublin. A lot of them are keeping homes empty to keep the rents artificially high. Okay. But if, value looks higher. If, if, you cast, if, if you cast your mind back to 2009, like it's really a motive point in 2023 to say that. And I get it. But, you know, in 2009, we were talking about knocking down homes because we that country was full of ghost estates. We had a, a building boom that we built so many houses, we didn't even know what to do. So it, did it make sense to stop building houses at that point? Maybe. Now, a lot of people warned that we were going to have shortages. The government didn't listen. I was crying out about this for a long time. But the fact is, and let's just be really clear, 
that that supporting housing by whatever means possible is probably a good choice. And when we talk about Europe, the European Social Charter, Article 31, it's only six words long. Everyone has a right to housing. Ireland has prescribed to this. So let's just stick on point. The idea that you have a right that costs, you know, 300,000 euro is nonsense because the constitution is about inherent primary rights. In other words, rights that usually don't cost something. For instance, I have the right not to be killed by Peter or Niall or by anybody else. It doesn't cost 300,000 to provide that right. It is just an inherent primary right. And so the further that we go down this track, what you see is that people... They don't necessarily believe in a constitutional right to housing. What they do is they do believe and understand and, and have massive umbrage with housing shortages. They do have massive problems with so, public okay, housing so, so the, inefficiently okay, managed. So, so, well, 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 hang on, Peter. Well, hang on, Peter. Let me, well, let me address that point. Okay, but let me address that point. And Carl makes a really good point. The reason that you're going to have six and ten people will walk into a ballot box if we had a referendum this year and will vote for the right to housing or a permanent home is because they're disappointed with the mismanagement over the last ten years of the way we currently, the system we currently have. In other words, there isn't enough housing. There isn't enough. There isn't enough affordable housing for people maybe on a lower or middle to lower income. So yeah, it's, it's not so it's not that they believe everybody's entitled. No, now. hang on, Peter. It's not that they believe everyone's entitled to a house. It's they believe that there's nothing affordable for them there because the government is mismanaging everything. But they're, they're not mismanaging it. It's artificially created. There's plenty. There's a lot of stuff. They are mismanaging it. Want, I mean, the last three housing ministers have been awful. They're doing it, they're doing it to, it's a deliberate policy to enrich their friends. Their friends are. Nah, I don't think it's that's just. A, uh, that's, 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 that's not true, Peter. Nah, that's that's it's Peter. It's not deliberate. Do you really believe that, that a government is, would deliberately a leave a shortage a in housing? Housing crisis. Hang on, Peter. They want to be voted in again next year. Because I want to make the point that's very important about speculation. No, that is conspiracy. That's not speculation. Hang on a second. That they deliberately deliberately no no fact that, that they deliberately the cause homelessness is not a fact. That's you saying it's a fact. That, that doesn't make it a fact. The, the problem the part of the market driven uh they put the private they put the private market at the top of the list. Essentially what they've done is they've keeping houses empty all around the city. There's a huge amount of vacancy in Dublin. There's amount of, uh, you know, a glut of, you know, walk through Dublin City, you see the glut of over shops, which could be created as homes and vibrant communities for people. We you don't have them, yeah, but we don't. But Carl, I'm not just... Hold on for a second. Peter, I'm not just... Hang talk, on, both of you. I'm not just agreeing with you. Hang on for a second. You can't make that into housing often because there's mobility issues and you have to make places accessible for all sorts of things. There's Peter, we're not... Well, hang on, hang on. But Well, both of you for a second, hang on. Peter, I'm not disagreeing with you, but what I'm saying is... The reason that we have those vacant uh, houses or rooms over shops or whatever it happens to be, or ghost estates, which still exist, by the way, in Ireland, is we don't have the manpower. I mean, Sinn Féin are talking about building 120,000 houses or whatever it is. I can go into political party tomorrow and promise the, the citizens of this country I'll build 500,000 houses in the next two years. That's an, an empty promise. I can't do it because there isn't enough plasters, there isn't enough carpenters, there isn't enough bricklayers, there isn't enough people in the construction industry to physically build those houses. Money is not and never was the issue. It's physically well, what building. What we do them. is we address the current stock that's available at the moment. Ireland has the highest amount of vacant homes at the moment. Uh, the government brought in this vacant home tax that doesn't go because anywhere. Because they're not ready to give out. 
Because Mary, Ma- because Mary doesn't want Vegas. that house because the kitchen isn't the right colour or there isn't enough room for the motorbike or it's not close enough to her mother or it's just not safe because they have to be built and given and provided. If the state are providing them, they have to be up to a certain specification, regulation and standard and most of them are not. So they need money to be put into them. Look, well, the, the vacant, at, the vacant houses. You go around to a lot of the council tenants living around Dublin City and the conditions they're living in, rat infested, rodent infested, damp, mold they're living in horrific conditions because they've no recourse for action in terms of going to an independent rental board to oversee what's going on the european union has voted against the has, has spoken out against the conditions that uh, a lot of these council tenants are living in currently as well so there is a gross it's it's a catastrophic beyond the mismanagement but it's it's actually done a lot of it is done, is done by design there's issues like gentrification where working class communities are deliberately attacked uh, ran down as well so the private market can move in and, and invest in those areas to make them you know to enhance them and make profits for their rich investors. That's what when we, I mean, okay, but Carl, well, hang on. Carl, tackle, no, well, tackle what he said. And, and, okay, you might call it somewhat conspiracy theory, but I have no doubt when we look <laughs> at politicians, by the way, in relation to, you know, we've seen some of the stories over the last year in particular uh, that have come out from the ditch uh, and, you know, about private landlords who are basically in government. I mean, they have skin in the game. Let's be clear about that. Some of them have, you know, 10 and 12 properties. So they do have skin in the game. So it is in their interest to keep the private market going, isn't it? Uh, okay, so having skin in the game isn't the same as saying that you are therefore devoid of an objective ability to uh, make decisions or that you somehow cannot make decisions within your capacity as a lawmaker. So in the same way, for instance, that we have ministers of children that have no children, it would be a discredit to them to say that because you have no children, you therefore can't make wise decisions. In fact, if you did say that, people would probably quickly point out that you're kind of being a bit weird. Like, that's not the role. You have to objectively assess things. When we talk about the highest amount of vacant homes in Europe, it's important to remember that our census immunerators found a large majority of those vacant homes. Now, there are a lot of them are in very rural areas, so they're, they're not appropriate or people don't want to live there. But a lot of them were actually in very built-up areas and they were apartments. And Fingal Council were very upset about the findings of the census and they went around and they assessed those homes. And far from the 3,900 that we were told, like right here in Dublin that were vacant, they found that the real number was more like 25 or something to that effect. Ireland also has one of the lowest occupancy rates of houses in Europe. In other words, we have a lot of people living in a four-bed house by themselves. And when we talk about why why don't we we get you know vacant properties up to speed, just lash up property tax. But most people don't want that either. Not vacant homes, but just all property tax. Make what about, be- what about bedroom tax, where, which is what they did in the United Kingdom, the bedroom it, tax? It was a ver- very effective. It was hated but it was hated because it was effective. Now, we never managed our existing housing stock of social housing of about 130,000 or more homes well in the past. We've got 30 million in overdue rents when average rents are around 55 to 60 euro per week. You know, we, we have not charged the appropriate sum that you would pay for social housing in other countries in order to make it viable and sustainable. And because of that, we just operate in this kind of beggar thy neighbor uh, policy with social housing where you also can never be sought to move on. In fact, that we have done such a bad job is why we have such a reliance on the private market. And the private market is the only that, part of, 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 the, of the whole thing that has you're, stood you're up at, and worked. But, Carl, you're but it's not a conspiracy, it's just bad management. You're answering my point. It's, it's a gross <laughs> fundamental drive towards the private market. It's not, it's not a drive, it's, 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 it's state inefficiency. They've, they've, they've deliberately ran down, they've mismanaged the council housing stock. 
in terms of uh, the non-collection of rents. If you consider that when council... Well, well, council well, well, yeah, but Peter, but hang on, Peter. Well, it come, yeah, but when it comes to non-collection of rents, hang on. When it comes to non-collection of rents, you were the very one who spoke to me in the radio when we talked about the non-collection of rents, and I said, should people be evicted if they haven't paid their rent in five years, considering it's a small amount of rent in a council house? And you said no. They shouldn't be. Bring that up. Did I ever say that? Bring that up. You, 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 you said people. Well, well, you told me people. <laughs> you told me people should don't, never don't be. Don't worry about what happened in the past. Just in the present. Okay, well then, well then answer the question. Should somebody who doesn't pay their rent in three or four years in a council house be evicted? No. I've just explained about council. I'm not, I just answer that question. Should they be evicted? Council flats all around Dublin City that were built. Well, we won't answer that question. We built council houses, particularly on site. There was a person on site, basically, who would be the maintenance person or person who could collect the rent. And then people had rent offices in their local areas. They deliberately closed all them down. And what they did down, did down did is they deliberately disinvested in council estates all around Dublin City. Look at Charlemagne Street, for instance. Charlemagne Street flats, where there was over 300 council homes there for a significant period of time. It was ran down. Serious problems uh, arose because of actually the lack of investment in proper infrastructure and social, you don't, you don't need, uh, like, social needs. And now yeah. we're in a situation... Well, you, we ha- you, we mind you, you st- you've given me a really long-winded answer, but you haven't actually answered the question. They're charging €3,000 a month rent on public okay. land. We are, we are kind of limited in the amount of time we have here, okay, look, to say look, a question. No, 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 because I, no, I, I, I want an answer to that question. No, I want an answer to that question. Peter, if somebody hasn't paid their rent in three years in a council house... Should they be evicted? You should be paying your rents. Everybody should be paying their rents. You are, just won't answer the, the question. You said you never said that. You said you never said yes it. or no. There has, should there has they to be, be some form of evictions. But like, the issue is, if, you know, you have to consider kind of case-by-case basis with people. You can't just turn around and say, you haven't paid your rent because you're living in uh, a damp, infested, road-infested home and it's absolutely abhorrent to live in and it's causing serious health and okay. other social problems. Okay, back, so back, to the, back, back to the other question. Carl, I mean, over the last year in particular, we've seen the housing crisis and the accommodation crisis uh, obviously increase tenfold because we've over an extra 100,000 people, including Ukrainian refugees and people seeking international protection coming to Ireland, even though 75% of the population have said that we've taken in too many people. Um, do you believe that everybody, including people coming into the country, uh, should be entitled to accommodation or should be entitled to housing in any way, in any shape or form? Yeah, I think I, I think that in a civil society, we have to aim to protect uh, the poorest, the weakest, the most vulnerable. I have no issue with that. What I do have an issue with is enshrining that as a line in the Constitution where it's not needed and it's already covered off. But the fundamental point, and this is the only point I, I need to make to, 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 to wrap up, Niall, is that there has been a total agreement in this conversation that the state has mismanaged both the housing stock that it owns and its ability to deliver housing. But now we want to go back and have the same state take an even greater role, turn this into a constitutional right and somehow get different outcomes. You are betting on a losing horse if you do that. It's a fool of an idea and it shouldn't even be considered. Uh, Peter, do you want to respond to that? It's a fool of an idea and shouldn't even be considered because you're you're, you're heading down a dangerous road. (laughs) <laughs> you need proper legislative legislative protection for tenants. Long-term security, you need to look towards enforcing the legislation. There's loads of issues we could be addressing. Uh, banning entire homes and Airbnbs in the city would be a start. Uh, proper vacant home tax. And, you know, things like universal public homes for people, where people of all income... What about, what about a bedroom tax? What about a bedroom tax? Pardon? That would is sort that public out housing that. for millionaires, then, is what universal <laughs> public housing is. 
Well, universality universality is a good idea. Do you not think so? Do you not think universality is a good idea? It's a good idea with a health system. (laughs) No, I don't. I absolutely don't believe we should build houses for millionaires. I think they can take care of themselves. Well, the issue of I'm talking about universality in terms of if you have the means to do it, you can go ahead and do it. But with the, the, the issues are there's so many people who are struggling in society. Twenty percent of people are at risk of poverty in Ireland, and then so, we have so, lot, so lot, really lot they're not they're going not going to be get the millionaires won't be getting the houses. So really, you're saying universality is well, a, a window get, dressing. But, the but then when you actually no. put it into the, into practice, you're, you, it's a, it's we're either a building houses for millionaires or b you're just paying that idea lip service. Now what's happening now is that the the tax breaks and all the the public money is going the biggest transfer fair wealth to private landlords all the time that's what's happening that's which the tax breaks of, is that this government and it, that's that's the agenda of the european union which okay. tax breaks is that okay but just just finally Pardon? peter just finally because I, I just want to wrap this up can i ask you a question in relation to the line i hear regularly in media and radio from members of the public generally speaking look after our own first uh, and this is something I spoke to Carl about in relation to accommodation for people who come here. We've seen a massive increase in the amount of people moving to Ireland for whatever reason, economic migrants, people seeking international protection, Ukrainian citizens, whatever it is. And then, you know, Jenny will come on the air or Mary will come on the air and they'll say, I have no problem, but we should be looking after our own first. I know a young one who's been on the housing list for the last 15 years. She can't get a home. And all of a sudden, a modular home was given to somebody who's just come in the country six months ago. So that line, look after our own first. Do you think it's racist? I think I think the bigger point is I think the pit is we should look after look after people. There, there's obviously pro, there's obviously but should we but should look at, should Irish citizens get priority? But it's obviously rights for citizens. Citizens of the country should have rights. They have rights above other uh, people's rights. Okay, so countries. you believe they should that's, get priority? That's, 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 okay, fair enough. Ba- no, ba- well, ba- I'm having a go, but I'm only asking you. Okay, so they well, should I think have the bigger, priority. I think the bigger issue is, I think, about the division, as I said earlier, it's been... been no, no, been I'm not trying to divide. I'm only asking you should they have priority because that's exactly what that line means. Carl... That line in itself, look after our own first, which means it indicates to give a citizen or person who was naturalised or born in this country um, a priority. Do you believe they should have priority? Uh, it, it, when it's worded like that, it kind of makes me cagey to, to answer in the way that you probably want me to. Uh, I, don't, I don't want you to way. answer it in any particular well, way. Well, no, 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 but, but, but what, what I'm saying, is, I, I feel that there's an emotive element built into it. Okay, no, so there isn't, my no, basic, there isn't my an emotive element. I'm asking you a basic question because uh, people say it to me all the time, look after our uh, own right. first, don't they? And let, let, let me answer it like this. I believe that if you come to this country, you have to do so legally, whether that's, you know, people who are born here don't have that problem. But if you come here from anywhere else, you have to do so legally. And with all the people that we have here at any given time, I think that we need to, to basically use a triage system the same as you do in a hospital. The people who are like utterly on the street, no matter where they're from, you triage them first. They're in the worst possible position. And then someone who might be living in a house, but you know, but they're not on the lease, they get triaged later. I think you just have to approach it the same way you do. That's not answering the question, really, is it? Not, well, it is, because no, what I'm saying not, is really I don't actually care where someone is from. I, th- I think you have to treat their so, circumstances. So it doesn't like matter. Church. Okay, so it doesn't matter if... <laughs> Mary's on the housing list 12 years or Johnny's on the housing list 12 years and somebody's invited by the state as a refugee to come to Ireland you, do you believe that person who's been on the housing list 12 years should get priority because they've been on the housing list longer or waiting longer as an Irish citizen do you believe they should be there they, they should get for, for the ha- for, for the housing list of course you would but someone okay. who just rocks into the country last year from a, from a war is not really going to be on the housing list they're going to go into an emergency facility so I mean that's you're not really comparing like for like there, no. That's not a fair, fair, uh, fair way to 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 actually pose the question. 
All right. Okay. On that note, I'll wrap it up. Listen, thank you very much indeed. Carl Dieter, uh, financial analyst, and Peter Dooley from the Renters Union of Ireland, uh, and also running for election. P- Peter, are you running for election again next time around? Next month or next year, oh, sort of say. Yeah, well, why, why not? You know, you need people in principle, well, principles and politics <laughs> and people speaking their mind and speaking the truth. How, how many votes did you get last time, Peter? Ah, leave I me alone. A, I, got, I got a lot more than you got, Carl. I, think you still have <laughs> I, I didn't run. I didn't run. <laughs> so I'm glad he run next time. I'm glad he run. No, Anybody yeah, puts it forward, like, how, 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 in forward, especially the position we're in. Give us a number. Give us a number. How many votes did you get? How many votes? Well, you know, a few hundred. <laughs> Good for you. Good I'll for tell you what, I'm, I'm going to walk away and put a, you two can put a pair of boxing gloves on. Listen, thank you very much indeed to both of you. Thanks very much indeed. Bye. Uh, there you go, Peter Julie and Carl Dieter. Now, I want to leave the lines open to you. And don't forget the number, by the way. 085 Some of your messages, by the way, coming in. I'm going to come to our caller's second market. Melissa, no, she's just waiting patiently there. Uh, Philly on Twitter says, no, as soon as they got the right to change the constitution like the abortion referendum and others, before you know it, every scrounger in the world will be entitled to a house at our expense. Mike says, who pays for these permanent homes? Citizens already have the right to shelter in the constitution. Unfortunately, we are not seeing that being upheld while migrants do get the right. So no. Dwayne says, uh, I would vote no, even though I think everyone should have a forever home. Uh, You just know that the government will screw it up. Uh, Probably you're right. Paul says on Twitter, it would depend on how it's worded. Do we allow free-for-all and an open policy that would be a house for all? Would that be defined in the small print? Well, I'll read out more of your comments in a few minutes. Keep texting, keep WhatsApping if you want to 085 100 2255. I'll put the number up on the screen in a minute. Margaret, how are you doing? You're on the Nile Boiler podcast. How are you? How are you? I'm good. Now, can I just start at the beginning with yeah. this topic? Yeah. Now, first of all, the, go- the, whole- the country is in debt since 20. 20- this is going on 2022 data that I have. Of 226 billion. Yeah. In debt. Okay. And for one Ukrainian, a month. I'm not picking on Ukrainians. Please don't think them. Or any other asylum seeker. It's costing 800 euro per month per unit. With the cost of the air. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I'm with you. I'm following you. Imagine 100,000 people. And we'd say there's two people to per unit added up, which is costing the taxpayer. Yet, we have a crisis before any war started in Ukraine, and we've had people on the housing list for 10 years, 12 years, and some even 15 and 16. And, you know, up to 19 years. And then, you have people coming from other countries where there's no wars going on, and a seat looking for asylum in Ireland. Now, that just doesn't add up to me. When I was starting off as a young, young girl and got married and saved and saved and saved like any person in the country, and then the government stood back and allowed vulture funds come into this country and buy housing estates and apartments and I rang Fingal County Council in 2018 to say there was houses up for sale. Why hadn't you find them? And they said, that's not the way they run their business. That's not the way it works, no. So, so, right. so Mar- Margaret, I, I have a couple of calls to get to, but I want to ask you a question. Do you believe it should be a right 
having a home or a place called home should be a right, a, per, a right, a constitutional right? No. No. Because every person who wants a home has to work hard to get that home. Okay, well, 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 stay there for a second. Let me go to Melissa as well. Mm-hmm. Well, hang on, hang on, Margaret. Melissa, how are you doing? You're on the, the Nile Bowling podcast. Um, hi, Nile. Thanks for having me on. Good. Um, Nile. I suppose I like that lady now I just have to come back from where you were there I sat for five years in a housing policy committee and where we're at now and I suppose the question I'm kind of going with the brief here as in has everyone got the right every citizen Mm. in Ireland I think that was the question first of all I don't believe there is any permanent home nobody has a permanent home (laughs) you know you you grow up with your parents you move out you get your mortgage you rent whatever um, you move on to a couple, you get a mortgage, you look for a council loan, if you can get one. Um, you know, so when we're talking about a permanent home, as that lady says, we've all had to work for permanent homes. Um, at the moment, they have uh, 60,000 listed for um, on housing lists. That's right, yeah. Now, it's actually 122,000. I'm screaming this since 2016. Most, most of those will be in the private rental market at the moment. They would be on the it, HAP yes, scheme, etc. Et yeah, yeah. and, and you're forgetting about the REST scheme. They did try to get rid of the REST scheme, which we fought desperately for. It was where the contract was with the council. Is, by the way, is, is, rent, the is the rent allowance, that's completely gone now, isn't it? Rent allowance. Do you remember the rent? The rent allowance is, yeah, well, this would be REST. This was okay. where council, a tenant had a contract with the council. This was the most permanent housing that was in Ireland, as yeah. in social housing or yeah. mortgage. Yeah, because it was a, a private agency. Yeah. yeah, Yes. So the most permanent housing that we've had, which they're trying to get rid of since they brought in the HEP, which a lot of us fought hard on, because these were mostly families, and you were told if you were on the rest scheme. So rest was before HEP, and but there was a contract with the count and the tenant and the landlord. So the HAP then just took away the contract with mm. the council. So that's where the danger came in. That HAP was the most dangerous thing in this country on housing ever. It was an excuse for them to deem that the wording was always in need Well, it wasn't, wasn't the so problem, just, just very quickly in relation to it, the problem was with the rent allowance system before HAP came along, um, People were getting the rent allowance, but they weren't paying the landlords. So to alleviate that problem, they came up with a HAP scheme, which means they would pay the landlords no. directly. Was that not the reason for it? It was all about the... No, it wasn't. It was all about the contract, and it was about council wiping their hands of the contract right, okay. with the tenants. Okay, so where, well, that leaves us now in a situation where we still have 12,000 people in temporary accommodation. That's not including, by the way, all those who've come into the country over the last uh, year. We still have 60,000 people or more, as you say, probably more realistically on the housing list waiting for a house. So well, we have 122,000 on the housing list. That's realistically, yeah. The, uh, the biggest, I think the biggest area is Fingal. So, and it, unfortunately, in that 12,000, sofa suffers and into that yeah. either. This is something I'm screaming Okay, but should you know, should yeah. everybody have a right to somewhere they call home? In other words, a house that they believe they're there, for, you know, permanently, and unless they stop paying the rent or something stupid like that, that they're there. Should everybody well, have that right? Does every citizen have a right? I believe every Irish citizen okay. has a right. Now, we have 155,000 new Irish citizens. So, Irish citizens born where our parents and grandparents help build up this country, should have that right more. It doesn't have to go into the Constitution for that to happen. 
So yeah, you, so you don't, you don't disagree with the line of this one. I argued with the two lads there just before they finished, and I asked them both the same question. Do you? Because people say it to me on the air all the time. They say, uh, you know, uh, look after our own first. That line, right? And, yeah. and what that line essentially means that priority should be given to people who are born and bred in Ireland and pay taxes in this country. Absolutely, hundred percent. At least two generations. At least. At least two generations. And yeah, and that that, would, that, would that be fair? Would that be Sylvie, fair? For instance, yeah, this is fair on those of us that whose parents paid into this country. My mother and father worked to the bone. They reared eight children. You know, we didn't all have to have social housing, thankfully. You know, a lot of my family have built their houses and they're paying their mortgages and paying their taxes. But we have to look at our children mm. that have paid into this country, that built those roads, that built the schools. It was our families that did that. The schools are there because of our families. The, the GA clubs are there because of the generations of families. So yes, in our communities, at least two generations of Irish people should have that right. We don't need to put this in a constitution for that to happen. Okay, well, so we'll say there for a second because I want to go to James's, or sorry, Oshin, if I can, sorry. Oshin. at the moment, the right is there that no one is left on the street, that they are to be put. Well, people are being left on the street. Well, people coming into the country are being left on the, the street. Problem. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I, I know 75% of the population, by the way, disagree with the government and the way their, their immigration policy at the moment. That's a whole different argument. Uh, we've done that many times in the show. Oshin, Hi. Oh, I've listened to Melissa and what she's essentially saying is I don't think anybody is in a permanent situation anyway we all have to go through that whole process of living with your parents moving out get your own mortgage yep, or applying for a house or whatever it is and you can't kind of enshrine something in the constitution and if you did it should be for at least you must have be you know two generations Irish I would agree with that yeah now I, I'd probably be slighted for saying that but you know it comes back to you that you look after your own your own will look after you you know, I'm not saying that. It sounds like I'm a complete racist there. I'm not. No, I, I, I don't. By the way, for everybody who says that's a racist comment, I don't believe that's a racist comment. No, I mean, it's, it's, not, up, it's no. up for debate, but it's not a racist comment. Correct. You know, I mean, the way I see it is, in theory, yes, it would be fantastic. Genuinely. We don't have the damn houses, pardon the language. We don't have enough houses in the first place. But if I went to live in America tomorrow, I don't get the rights of an American citizen. I don't get social housing. I don't get any health care or public health care. I have to pay for it all. Now, if you can prove to the American government that you have enough money to sustain yourself into your old age, they'll happily give you a green card. But unless you can That's prove correct. that, you're, in other words, you buy your own house, you look after your own health care, and you look after the education of your own children. You don't get it for nothing because you're not an American citizen. That's just the way it works. No, you- yeah, my brother's over in the States. He's there nearly 10 years now, and it's exactly the same situation. He was, now, not he expected it. He was given nothing. No, and he you won't get anything. And, and by the way, Everyone rightly so. You haven't paid into the system. You, exactly. And you have to pay your own taxes and everything else. And the way I see it is, first off, yeah, in theory, it's a great idea. We need houses. And then, you know, you have enough housing, then that's when the fun really starts, as in picking who gets what. You pick it, you know, you can go right second, first, second generation Irish. Yeah, that's brilliant. Okay. They're working, they're paying the taxes into the system, and then you, you kind of work your way down. Okay, so what, what about people coming into the, currently, uh, current, into the country at the moment? Carl Dieter, what he said was, well, you can't expect them to have two generations of people here because they're coming from a war, so they'll be, they'll be immediately at the back foot when they come into the country. Would that be fair? Uh, you see, that's, that's the rule, isn't it? When you think about it, realistically, is it fair? Well, I, I don't think anybody should be ignored and everybody should be giving accommodation. No. But but when it comes okay. to housing... I don't, I, I don't think so. I think, you, you know, you, you need to, again, as the other lady or gentleman said, people on the housing list, you know, you need to look after them first as well. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They're, they're waiting years. When they shorten people, they unfortunately are. 
And then somebody who, God forgive me, rocks up to the country, demanding a house. It doesn't work that way. At least it shouldn't. Okay, well, well, well hang on. Let me just go as well, if I can, to uh, Morris. How are you doing, Morris? How are you doing? Good. Morris, uh, now I, I've spoken to you recently, uh, and actually you saddened me when I talked to you the last time, because I've spoken to you for yeah. many years, Morris, on the radio and in other kind of forms of media, and you're very proud of your country. You're quite patriotic. Very, very proud of yeah. your country. And yet you seem so disappointment, d- disappointed, uh, yeah. you know, in the way things are working at the moment, so much so that you told me you're going to get out of here. Yeah. I, I hope to return to Portugal. Uh, I, I, I've just, the heart has gone out of me. And just to give you an example, since I spoke to you, I was doing a bit of work over in Lower Mount Street the other day, and I seen the 40 tents outside the building, right? That's right, Jim. And it just saddened me that there's people on 2023 living on the street. They come from... It's like a shanty town there at the moment. Exactly. exactly. And that's that's the visible ones. There's ones that we don't know about, that people are hiding in the background. And then I drove another four kilometres away, up towards Royalto, up that direction, and there was a homeless guy sleeping outside a cost cutters on the footpath in a sleeping bag and a bit of cardboard. Now, right? can, I, can I say something to you, Morris? In, in a lot yeah. of cases, when you see the guy, you know, in his sleeping bag, you know, on, the, on a mat or whatever yeah. it is, outside a shop window, generally speaking, that individual, not all the time, has a problem. Yeah. It may be alcohol, it may be drugs, it may be social issues. Yeah. And, and the state can't babysit everybody. But the state, the, uh, and, but that, that individual should be entitled to the same yeah. social welfare and is entitled to the same social welfare yeah. and the same HAP scheme and the same everything else that everybody else is entitled to. But he's the one, he's the one that's fallen through the... But you can't the, stop the, everybody the, falling the, through the cracks. In the floorboard, you know? Yeah, I know, yeah, but, but, but you, there are always going to be people fall through yeah. the cracks. Always. And then two other incidents that I came across in the media since I was talking to you. Um, a teacher in Dublin had to get out of the rent the house the landlord was selling. 52 grand a year she earns and she can't get a mortgage. And then I heard about a soldier, you know I'm ex-military, a soldier living down in the Midlands, Elvis car. He hasn't got married quarters anymore. There's no barracks that has billets where that would take men in. He can't afford with the bad wages he's on. So you have somebody, two people serving the country that can't have, one's living in a car, two of them are living in a car, the teacher's living in a car and she's hopefully getting something for Christmas. And then you wonder why the young people are leaving this country. When you're leaving. Well, and, I'm, and I've given my life to this country, and I'm a very proud Irish man, as you know. But I have seen there's no future for the likes of me here in this country. I have to leave this country because of the state that it's in and the people that are running it. They've broken me. I would love to stay and fight, but I, why should I? Well, who, well, who, okay, well, well for the situation that you were in, and I remember going back about four years ago, you were really excited on the air. Because you told me your mortgage was finished. And it was whatever, exactly. four, 400 quid a month or whatever it was, right? And you were kind of excited yeah. to have this extra money. But now that extra money yeah. is gone because of the cost of living. Uh, exactly. And who, whose fault is that? Who do you blame for that? To me, to me, to me we're being dictated to by the EU. What goes on in this country, we're told what to do, where to go, who to sit. We're not an independent state anymore. We're in a big union, and they'll say, you'll do this, you'll do that, and they'll do the other. And there's the other sad news, Niall. Rather than take in another 350 people uh, to give them asylum, we've said, no, we'll pay a fine of 1.5 million and give that to the EU. But to me, to see any human being living on the streets, regardless of where they are, because like you said, we're the biggest donations of charity per capita per head anywhere in the world. We give billions 
and billions to the world. And look, look what's we, going we, on. We here. we don't seem to know when to stop giving. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, you can give yeah. as much as you can, and, and we always yeah. should. But but there's a limit to what we can do. And now the government, <laughs> rather than taking in, rather than admitting they're wrong. They're paying the yeah. EU 1.5 million, and they will continue to do that because they've signed up to this pact, essentially and you know the way doing that. You just said that the government will pay that. That's taxpayers' money. Oh, of course, yeah. That's your taxes. That, well, that's money that would make your life better and encourage you to stay in the country and look after vulnerable people, the people that have fallen. Sad, the but does it sadden you, Morris, that you have to leave your own country? Because I know you're patriotic. Yeah. I know, I'd love my country and I'd love my grandchildren to be growing up here. But like I said, Niall, I'm going back now, I've just hit 62 this year, right? And I remember my mother bringing me as a child down to the docks to wave off my older brothers and sisters, because I'm the youngest of 10, five boys, five girls. My older brothers and sisters are buried and dead in England now. And now my daughter is over there, my grandchildren are in England. So history does repeat itself, but sometimes not for the right reason. It's for the wrong reason. Well, we'll just uh, stay. Well, no, well, hang on. Stay there for a second. Malachi uh, Steenson has been on the, the show many times. Uh, Malachi, in relation to this idea of a constitutional right to housing, you've heard Morris give us all the reasons why there shouldn't be a constitutional right, but also he's saying, you know, it's a sad state of affairs when, when you walk up to Mount Street and you see a shanty town. Well, I mean, the shanty town that's in Mount Street is there because of deliberate government policy. Bad, bad, deliberate, like, bad know, policy, yes. Bad policy, yeah. And, I mean, 20 Indigenous Irish people living on the streets have died this year. There hasn't been one word on the media about that. Yet, the year and a half, before the immigration problem became the problem that it is, all we heard about was different individuals dying, and they were using that to pursue their own agenda at the time. Now, Irish Indigenous people sleeping on the streets are abandoned by the whole NGO sector and the political class. And now it's, oh, we must get people who arrive at the borders. We have this somehow legal or moral obligation. I don't accept that we have either. And if we have either, well, then there's something wrong. Well, well, according, well, according, uh, well according to the uh, government, we, we don't. And, and oh, By the way, I, I think it's a very bad state of affairs for the sovereignty of this country if we can't make laws and make decisions ourselves without getting the, uh, the go-ahead from the EU. I understand we have a charter and a pact with the EU because we are part of the European Union. But in saying that, if we're, if we're at a point now whereby we have to pay 1.5 million just so we don't have to take another 300 people, I, you know, I think we're in, we're in a really bad way that we have to pay. In other words, no, we have to pay fines. Orwell, if George Orwell had written all of this about 1984, nobody would have believed him. And here we are now. And I don't accept that the government are obliged to do it. The Lisbon Treaty gives us a knocked-out of the immigration pact. So if you have not, a knocked-out, you have a knocked-in. Well, yeah, but they, yeah, but they had the same issue. David Cameron had the same issue going back seven years ago in Britain, or six years ago now, in Britain. And that's what ended up, that's what they had. They ended up, well, UKIP encouraged, obviously, that referendum at the time, because David Cameron said uh, he would look at it, he said he would talk to the EU about the Lisbon Treaty and about the, uh, the possibility of opting out uh, but he said he didn't believe he could either. And that's what sparks well, that see, referendum, what, wasn't it? Well, what you have in Britain is you have people who will never accept the will of the British people, which was to leave the European Union. And once you leave, and that's what we need to seriously have the debate about, whether being a member it's of the European Union... not going to happen in this country. Niall, I tell you, it will happen. It's only a matter of time. Last November, people told us that immigration wasn't an issue. Now 75% of the people agree with us. But let's get back to the issue of housing, right? We don't have sufficient housing for the people who are already living in this country, who are born citizens here. How can anybody expect 
that if you don't increase the supply, that you're going to solve the problem. And if you're going to increase the demand at the same time, then you will never solve the problem. But you see... But Malachi, Malachi, you're a great you're a great believer as a man of law. You're a great believer in the constitution. So surely the constitution, as spoke to Carl Dieter earlier on about the constitution, that currently at the moment it doesn't really give you any human rights. It infers human rights, and then we make legislation to for human rights. But realistically, the constitution does give you the right to protection, and part of that protection would be food, clothing, heat, a home, or somewhere to live. So surely we should literally put it into the constitution then to make sure that the government does their job. No, we don't know. What we need to actually do is to go back to what we did when we were poor and stupid, right, in this country. When we, in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, when the state built massive housing estates, whether it be right around Dublin, Fingers, Cabaret, um, all of those estates which were built as social housing, Moy Ross and Limerick, and all, every county in the country has social housing estates which were built by the council. Now, they were managed badly, um, but that's a different argument. Why... Can we not do that now? You know, that's what we need to do. And what we've done because is... We've no, we because we've nobody to build them. We've no one to build them. Hold on. That, well, 30 years ago, they stopped doing this. And what they did at the same time was that the councils started getting out of private housing. They started... Or public housing. They started selling off their stock to their tenants. And now they're selling off whole blocks to so-called non-profit organisations, which are effectively another form of vulture fund, an organisation who comes in, gets the building for nothing, rents it out, and ultimately they will be sold on the private market in 20 or 30 years. That's the reality. I mean, the re- the re- we- look, everyone knows the reason we're in this situation. During the Celtic Tiger, of course, more private owners were purchasing houses. Uh, the laws of supply and demand, of That's course. And we, but, but hang on, hang on. We didn't have a shortage then. We weren't building social housing. We had stopped building social housing because we didn't have the same demand for it. All of a sudden, 2009 came, the demand started to increase as wages started to drop and the cost of houses started to rise again in 2013. So then we ended up with this house prices spiralling out of control, people then going out to the housing list looking for help and we don't have it because we don't have a stock of houses. Now what, what happened in, uh, with the 2008, up to 2008 during the Celtic Tiger, was that people who would never have envisaged buying their own home, who would have bought, got a council house at a differential rent, were able to access mortgages, which they shouldn't have been able to access, mm-hmm. bought houses and then were unable to service those mortgages. And what the state done, remember what the state done in 2008 is they took a lot of these properties into their hands, into NAMA, and sold them to these very same vulture funds. Remember, at that time, we knocked down ghost estates instead of actually finishing them off and using them as, as housing because they said, oh, we can't interfere in the market. You need to separate the public um, housing policy from the private housing policy. And you can't be continuing to use safe funds part five of the Development Act or demanding that private developers give a certain percentage of, uh, of estates to the state to do what the state wants to do with them. Because that drives down the price or drives up the price for people who are buying properties. It also drives up the price to the state and it also changes the fabric of that, that estate. Because if somebody wants to buy and live in a private estate, they should be entitled to do so. If somebody okay. wants to live in a public estate, then they should be well, entitled well, to well, do so. Well, it's not like they can afford to do it, I suppose. <coughs> Well, well, yes. well, 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 hang on, hang on for a second, Maliki, because I want to bring in more people. But stay, stay with me. I want to go to Joanna as well. And I'm going to come to John in a second. Sorry, Joanna, go ahead. You're on the Live Autumn podcast. Hi, good morning. Um, go ahead. Yeah. I, um, I just want to agree with everything basically Maliki says. I think he's a great man. He speaks for the normal working class people one of which is, happens to be my son. Um, 
he's working, his wife is out on maternity, so she'll be going back to work. And they're going to be homeless very, very soon. I'm sorry to hear um, that. Yeah, I was on to you a year. I, 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 remember, year. I actually do remember you answering me on the radio about that, yeah. Yeah, it's a year now. And they, still, have, and they still haven't got sorted yet, no? No, the council, um, they said they, they're just slightly above the means to be considered for council housing. Right. Um, <coughs> Yeah. So and, they don't, um, and and if you're above the means for cancelling houses and you can't buy afford to buy your own house or your own rent or mortgage, well then that's it, tough. Well, if I mean if you were spending all her wages on the rent, mm. you can't save for a mortgage. You know, so yeah. her her money is ate up completely. Of course, and some of his. And um, now there's two children. There's two children there, a baby, um, and they're going to have nowhere to go now when he comes. And they're back. not even entitled to hap either, should they not? No, he wouldn't no. accept tap first day. Yeah. He wouldn't accept tap. And there's a lot of landlords out there that don't accept it. Yeah. And I don't understand why, you know, unless they're evading tax or something. Mm. But they wouldn't, he wouldn't accept tap. I, I, don't, I don't know what, Maliki, just remind me again before I go to John. In relation to the HAP scheme, did we bring in legislation going back about three years ago where landlords had no choice but they had to accept it? Well, I, I think, well, it comes under the discriminatory legislation, um, but there's no landlord going to say, I'm not taking happy. He'll just find another reason not to do it. But one of the issues with this, why this referendum is so dangerous is because they talk, you know, when they're talking about it, they're talking about inheritance and all various different things. Now, you see, if the state has the right to, or the responsibility to give everybody a house, and you have two or three houses now, you don't need two or three houses. So the state can then take those off you. Now, they can already do that through a CPO if they want to build a road or something. But, 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 but a lot of people are putting this out, and you know, some people are suggesting that's just conspiracy theory nonsense. Well, no. What we have in this country is a, an NGO and a woke culture and a, a government who actually despise the Irish people and who believe that nobody should get on and progress. They have this attitude that anybody who's successful is the enemy. We have turned, we, we blame the Catholic Church for all of the yields of society up till now. Now we're blaming the landlords for the, the housing problem. When all of those problems are created by the political and NGO class and are fermented by them and continued by them. And it's, it's always people like me and a few other people who seem to be challenging the government on every issue. And we're seen to be, you know, Oh, she opposed okay. to everything. We're simply okay. speaking. Okay. Sorry, sorry, Joanna. Sorry, you want to respond to that very quickly? Can I come in? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, um, I just want to. I just want to state now. My son have absolutely no problem with the landlord. He he's man. It's his property. Yeah. Man can do with it what he likes, and I believe that. But what what really got me this week was seeing the modular homes being built for people out of my son's <coughs> taxes. That he worked yeah. ten hours a day. His taxes are being used to house people where he've nowhere to live with his wife and two children. Can you tell me how was that right? And, Who says and at the same right? time, at the same time, Niall, they're prosecuting a man for putting a log cabin on his own land for his children to live in. What kind of a banana republic are we living in? And, and by the way, sorry, Joanna, I'm sure, I'm sure your son and his wife, his pregnant wife with their kids would be quite happy with a modular oh, home. She's, she's not pregnant. The baby's oh, five months. Oh, I just want to say months, one yeah. thing. Sorry. They'd be happy with a modular home, yeah. Yeah, he would be, right? No, he's, he's nice getting very actually, depressed about the situation. He's getting very depressed about the situation, okay? And I can't help him because I don't have the room. And I told him, I'm sorry. I said, the only solution is pack up your job. What, ma'am? I'm not packing up my job. I said, but you're an idiot. Your taxes are paying for everybody else. Or else I said, get a tent 
and go outside the modular homes yeah, out exactly. in Mahon, get all the yeah. homeless together and go out and tent outside there with the children, I said, and wake the people up to what's going on here. Why should his taxes be, be used to house everybody else and they don't give two shits about him? Okay, we'll stay there because John O'D is in Cork as well. Uh, John, getting back to the question about, you know, should it be a constitutional right to housing? I, I'm listening to what Joanna's saying, and actually it did strike me when I watched the news the other night. And I saw these modular homes, and they're lovely, and I'm delighted for the people that are going to be put into them. But it's a bit unfair if you've been on the housing list for a long time, and you or whatever, or you can't afford, even if you're not on the housing list, you can't afford a house, and you watch somebody else with your taxes getting housed. It's yeah. a bit unfair, isn't it? It is, yeah. And look, if they are, well, I want to have a referendum put something in, the right to shelter, but not the right to a home. Shelter well, shelter's mean, already in the Constitution, as far as I know. Yeah, but the right to shelter. Like, that that, that just means a hostel, by the way. You know. Yeah, well, this is it. But look, that lady is quite right. And obviously, she's from Cork as well. And she's probably from the Mahon area, I'd say, because uh, in Blackrock, there's 50 modular homes now going to be allotted this week or the week after, right? No, we've no people <laughs> coming from our town areas, right? But Going back about 12 years ago, like when the housing thing and the fine time specials with the, the children doing their homework inside and guest houses, we all saw that we were all appalled of it, right? Yep. But I mean, we were told at the time it was uh, floated, the idea of modular homes. And I oh, remember yeah. Simon Courtney, right. and I remember people in Cox, uh, city council here saying, both the mandarins below there and some of the councillors saying that, no, we looked at that and modular homes were not feasible. But how is it all of a sudden they're feasible for others? But not for Cork people, not for Dublin, Limbic, Galway, Waterford, Tipperary people. Isn't it amazing, isn't it? Is it any wonder that 75% of people are snow sick shit of what's going on? Is it any wonder people like Morris are thinking of leaving the country and there's a good friend of mine also thinking of doing the same? But by Christ, I'm not going to be driven out of my country. And it's about time people got up off of that ass now. I mean, to me, when the hate speech comes in, if that don't bring tens of thousands out onto the streets and take on this traitorous government, we're finished as a people. <coughs> I, I mean, Maliki, I, I assume you, you mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, you can't even build a log cabin out your back garden without planning permission, yet the government can build these modular homes in an emergency. And John is right. This idea was floated long before refugees came to Ireland, going back four or five years ago, but it was poo-pooed by most members of government that we, we can't be building modular homes. And I, I, I looked at these modular homes. They look lovely, actually. They're really nice. It's because the political class now doesn't actually want to solve the housing problem. They want to be the good guys in Europe. And, you know, the, the hate speech legislation will come in and it will shut down programs like this where we won't be able to have won't shut any me discussion down. about any of these matters. It no, won't, no. won't shut me down either. No, 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 this program is actually run through a server in the United States. Nothing to do with the Irish. I don't care what and, the Irish You know, the, re- the, reality, the reality is that they don't believe that they have any responsibility to Irish people. And we see, you know, the speculation about Michal Martin now wandering off to Europe for some other job. And Varadkar, you know, wandering off from... To be almost See, I, I, here's, the, here's the funny thing. The, the, the we, more inept, inept clown in the, in the cabinet. Well, here, here's the thing. This program is uploaded onto an American server, which is hosted in America, by the way. I think it's somewhere in Missouri or something like that, okay? So essentially, this program operates under American law, which is under freedom of speech. So here you go. Oh, good. That's good to hear now. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's the, by the way, they're, they're trying to bring in legislation at the moment to, um, similar to the Broadcasting Act. Um, the BAI, as you know, has disbanded now and they're, they're changing it to a European wide agency. Uh, and they want to monitor and regulate podcasts. They want to monitor and regulate social media. They want to monitor and regulate everything. And they're going to come across a big problem trying to do that.
Leading. Well, if they do that, well, to the, like, there should be an absolute... We had already had one uh, war of independence and a civil war, which would have... I mean, seriously, mean. I'm not talking about peace. Unfortunately, we uh, lost both of them, John. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not... I, I'm I, not I, by the way, John, I don't condone violence, can I just point out to you? No, but, but I tell you, I can see the peaceful protest. Because people are sick of it. Like, sick oh, of no, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. People should be... I've, I don't know what it is about Irish people. They are sheep. They seem to have yeah. lost, with the exception of a few, they seem to have lost the ability to do what they did seven years ago for the water protest, which was 100,000 yeah. people out on the streets. Nope. No, you know, I, I, they they I have lost the ability to do that. With the water protest, sorry for cutting across you there, John. With the water protest, you had the bulk of the political class who were supporting that demand. On this occasion, the entire political and NGO class are against us. And that is the yeah. problem. And, yep. you know, the Irish people, by and large, never stood up for themselves. And they had this inferiority complex, going back to the Vikings or the Normans. The, the, you know, they, they never actually stood up for themselves. And it's time, if they don't do it now, well, this country is it, it, almost gone. And I would be like, Mark, if I was younger, and I'm saying to my grandkids, get the fuck out of here. There's nothing here anymore. This is not our country. It has been destroyed by the political class. And if I was... In my 20s now, I wouldn't have joined the various organizations that I joined and fought and put my life and liberty on the line for this country. I'd have gone on a plane to Australia. Stay there for a second. Let me just go to Angela as well. Angela, how are you doing on the Nile Boiling Podcast? Angela, do you believe everyone should have a right to a home, a constitutional right? I think think that's going to be the first time myself, Malachi and John are ever going to agree with something. No, you shouldn't be. Do you know what? See those modular homes? That's what I want. I'd love one of them. They're lovely, aren't they? They are actually nice, yeah. They're, they're, I've, I've, I've said that for, for years. That's what I'd love to have. Mm. But you know what the big thing is? Trying to get a piece of land. Trying to get, you know, planning permission in a garden. Trying to do... It's an absolute disgrace. Like, I know when we were looking to buy a house um, going back, God, what, eight, nine years ago, we said we'd build one. And we looked at a beautiful plot of land in Kildare, but we couldn't do it because we didn't live within five miles of it before we were going in. We didn't grow up within five miles of it. It's it's all the, the red tape for everybody else. Yeah, anyone coming into the country now, there there's no red tape. Yeah, they fa- just fast track the plan information. Yeah, yeah, just just shove it up like. We, we were actually saying agreed on a gorgeous cabin. A yeah, but see, the the argument, cabin. And, I want, and I want to mention, sorry, the argument to both John Malachy and yourself in relation to people coming into the country, and no harm to them, by the way, people, particularly people coming from war, is that unlike Irish citizens who might have been on the housing list for the last eight years, and, and rightly deserve a nice modular home if that's what they want, they haven't been yeah. here for eight years to be on a housing list. So it would be unfair to turn around and say, well, you have to be on the housing list, you know, or you have to be at the top of the housing list to get know, one of these. Do you know what you do, Niles? Do you know what you do? You take the, you give the person who's on the housing list for eight years the modular home and give whoever's the next in the line that's not on the housing list, give them where they're living. In the rental accommodation or whatever it is. Yeah. Mm. Why, why do we suddenly have to give away brand new homes? To people who haven't lived here, and I'm sorry, and I am not bloody racist. I am sick of this now. I am sick of being called racist because I want what our own, what our own deserves, and what they deserve. You know, if you're a citizen here, if you were born and bred here, and lived and worked, you should be entitled to something here, not just if you walk in off a plane. I'm sorry. I know. 
I'm from a war-torn country. But listen, come here. There, there, there are homeless here that don't deserve those houses more than anybody else. Because they've waited. They've waited for their forever home. And whether they're working or they're not, you know, they have waited. Families have waited to get the keys to their forever home to be told you're next on the list. But sorry, now there's 100,000 in front of you. Doesn't and no, I, I I know I understand I'm at Maliki, that doesn't seem fair and, and John is right, it doesn't seem fair. But again I go back to what Carl says. If you're coming from Ukraine or you're genuinely coming from war, be it Syria or whatever in Afghanistan, wherever it happens to be, and you come to Ireland, how could you be on the housing list longer than somebody well, who's here? You're not going to be. Because no, you've only arrived here. It's quite simple to that. We close the borders. We can only have our humanity insofar as we can actually service and deal with people coming into the country. If we don't have the infrastructure to accommodate people coming in, then we shouldn't be bringing them in. The responsibility of the Irish government and the political class in this country is to the indigenous people on this island, not to run it into the ground at the behest of the WEF or the European Union or anybody else. Either we have sovereignty, and I don't believe we have any sovereignty now, um, because they've thrown every bit of it away, even now as they progress to join in NATO, despite the vast, overwhelming view of the Irish people that we should not be part of any military alliance. They just keep toddling on, and people like Coveney are gung-ho to do this. But what I guarantee you, it won't be Coveney or Varadkar's kid, well, Varadkar won't have kids, but Michal Martin's kids that are sent off to fight in the trenches of Ukraine or wherever the next well, war he is. may adopt it's children, by the way. kids and my kids. Okay, all right. Listen, lads, I have to wrap it up. Angela, thank you very much today. John, um, Joanne, Maliki, and everybody got involved in that conversation. I'm looking at some of the more messages on Twitter. Uh, Somebody says, if it's only for the natives, as they are putting two families and 14-plus foreigners into houses, only two lived in previous with no local consultation or extra community facilities. Uh, Stefan says, uh, some people already think they have a constitutional right um, the flood of undocumented men coming into our country has put the nail in the coffin of the commie socialist housing for all brigade. At least the Irish see it and are asserting themselves. Finally, thank God, Patriot Era on Twitter says, um, criminals are those who don't want to work. Absolutely not, says somebody else. Somebody said, what a ridiculous notion to even suggest that it should be some sort of constitutional right. Another person says, it's a bit like saying every dog needs a home, which is true if you wanted to go deeper. What's not to say within a few years, there'll be a new referendum on childbirth, only two children per family. If the state keeps giving uh, keeps giving people, uh, we'll be taking greed at both ends, which I will say the policy and around areas that pol- people should choose uh, should change. He goes on and on and on. Uh, anyway, there's lots more messages, by the way. I have never seen so many messages coming in on WhatsApp. And I'll be honest with you, we are at a very dangerous juncture here in Ireland and the world. And I suppose let's start with the cost of living and the crisis, which has divided all of us. For so many people in this country, they don't have the money to make ends meet, never mind even thinking about getting a mortgage. That's the last thing on their mind. So they rely on the state to house them and they rely on the state to provide for them. But unfortunately, the state are failing to do that miserably. Absolutely failing miserably to do that. So what can I say? It's in your hands. You're the people. I spoke to Maliki there a few minutes ago. You all have lost the ability to stand up and say, no, I'm not suggesting violence. I'm not suggesting burning down buildings. I'm not suggesting going out of the streets and killing one another. 
or some sort of civil war. What I'm suggesting is people should stand up and say no. A classic example, only two weeks ago, when 70% of the people in a Red Sea poll, and we're supposed to believe the Red Sea polls because the government are the same people who will use those Red Sea polls to tell you how popular they are. So this is not some unsampled poll on my Twitter account or somebody else's Twitter account. This is the government's poll. And they have said that they accept the Red Sea polls. So what I'm saying to you is, if they accept the Red Sea poll as being sacrosanct, well, then they should accept that 76% of the Irish people think they're making a bollocks of it, that they are letting way too many people into this country. There are many people in this country who really need our help, from here and abroad. And those who are chancing their arm or taking advantage of our open borders, essentially, at the moment, are taking the food out of the mouth of those genuinely who need our help from other countries. There are people who are coming from war-torn countries, coming from certain death, who need our support, who need our help on humanitarian grounds. But those chancers who are coming in here, who've probably been in England for a while and, and they were declined refugee status there, they're coming in here and taking the bread from their mouth. They're taking our taxes. They're taking everything. And yeah, oh, they, they give them a deportation order. But it's voluntary. How many people were actually deported? Uh, oh, we don't know. We don't follow up on it. We just asked them to leave. Where would you ever hear the likes of that? We just asked them to leave. Would you like to leave now? Yeah, sure. Sure, I'll leave. Walk around the corner. That's the last you'll ever see them again. It's a nonsense situation, which is perpetrated and promoted by socialist parties. We can't have a situation in Ireland with a small economy, financially and geographically, that provides for the whole world. We can't do that. As much as we'd like to, we can't. And also, if people are coming into Ireland with no documentation, no passports, false documentation, claiming they're minors, even though they're not in some cases, and we've seen the evidence of that, and yet for some reason, we're in denial. We don't want to do anything about it. We don't think it's relevant. Only there, going back a couple of weeks ago, there was a guy in here, in Ireland, who I'm assuming has been removed at this stage. I would like to think he has anyway. He was staying out in City West. He was wanted in Zimbabwe for two murders. He was on a wanted list. I'm hoping Interpol or somebody tracked him down. I am assuming he's not here anymore. He killed his girlfriend and somebody else and shot two other people. Now, I'm not suggesting that's what all immigrants do because they don't. Most of them are good, decent people. But we need to find out. We don't just accept everybody in. If you went on holidays to America tomorrow, you have to fill out a form in ESTA. When you get to American immigration, they'll ask you a million questions. If your name pops up on Interpol with a red mark beside it, you're in trouble. You're on the next plane home. Same goes for Australia. Same goes for Canada. Same goes for most countries. If you want to come as an asylum seeker, absolutely. We have legislation to provide for that, provided you're genuine and you're coming from a country that is at war, your life is in danger, political persecution, whatever it happens to be. If you can prove that, absolutely. You stay here and we look after you and we support you. But if you're chancing your arm and you're pretending you're somebody you're not, you've just committed a crime. So why aren't people in jail? Do you know how many people were prosecuted? So think about it. Thousands of people come in here with no identification, nothing, no documentation, false passports, false identification. How many people were prosecuted? One person. 
even though it's against the law, and carries a huge fine and possibly jail time. We just don't, we just, there is no will to do anything about it because the country is now not being run by the government anymore. It's being run by NGOs and the EU. So much so that even though we can't accommodate people, we'll pay the EU money just to allow us a little bit of a break from people arriving here. What a mess we're in. Joanna, I'd love to go back to you very quickly. I know you're dying to say something. Sorry, Joanna, just very quickly. Yeah, I just want to say one thing, and I'm not racist by any means. My, one of my best friends, her and her husband, their families came down from the north as refugees to Cork from the Troubles. Why can't Ukraines go up the other part of their country where it's safe? Why are they all flooding over here? It's a huge country. Look it up. Why well, well I, yeah, I, I've heard that argument, Joanna, and I'm not disagreeing with you. It is a huge country, geographically. It's as big as France. But in saying that, you still have to accept there are people that may not want to do that because they're afraid the whole country is in crisis and there is a possibility at any stage that war um, could move further inland and more over towards the east. Or should I say the west? I do apologise. The west. So there is that possibility. So I, I get what you're saying, Joanne. And I know, by the way, you can go on holidays to Ukraine at the moment, by the way, if you want to. There are parts of Ukraine which, thankfully, um, are still at peace. But the country itself is at war. And I suppose the option is there for people to leave. Listen, anyway... I didn't want to get into that conversation, that part of the conversation. Anyway, listen, thank you very much indeed. Don't forget, by the way, all the shows are available on the website, nileboylan.com. If you want to go, you can download this show straight after the show. Or if you want to subscribe on Twitter, you can. We put the whole show up on Twitter as well first. It always goes up on Twitter first in the subscription section. The live streams that you're watching on right now at the moment, they're deleted as soon as the show is over. So you can download it. And you can get it from Spotify if you want to listen to just audio, any of the usual platforms, iTunes, Amazon Music. And don't forget, by the way, go to our website, support us so we can continue to do this. And I always say to people, please support us. I think it's, it's really important that we have free speech. I think it's really important that you can come on the air and have your say. I think it's really important that we talk about things that other people may not want to talk about. I think it's really important that we have the opportunity to be Ireland's only fully interactive podcast. We've guests on Zoom. We have people call in on WhatsApp. We have people call in on the phones. We do it exactly the same way as a radio station does. We have people, producers. We have everything, same as a radio station. It's Ireland's only fully interactive podcast. And I want to keep it that way. And I want to make sure that we never have to charge you for watching it live. You can watch it live right now. You can listen to it live right now. Nobody's charging you a penny. If you want to download it from the website, it's free. Nobody's charging you anything. We will have extra stuff available throughout time and moving on. And we will do that for subscribers because we have to get some money for doing it. It costs money to do this. So I'm asking you, politely, to help us. There are two ways you can do that. And we will provide those same extras on both the website and on Twitter because Twitter has now given us the facility to have Twitter subscriptions. So if you're watching on Twitter, for example, have a quick look up there. You will see there's a subscribe button. If you've already followed us, there's a subscribe button. The same on the website. It's five quid. That's the price of a pint of beer a month. That's all we're asking for. Like if you met me somewhere and you thought this was a really good show, would you say, Niall, can I get you a pint? Great show last week, by the way. You worked hard. Or can I get you a coffee from Starbucks, probably, if it's that much money. A fiver is all we're asking for. Go to the website and register there. 
nileboylan.com. Or indeed, if you're watching on Twitter right now, just click the subscribe button up there. And you can give us a fiver. That's all we're asking for. We're asking for a bit of help so we can continue to provide a really good, fully interactive podcast for you, the Irish people, and the listeners. Back again tomorrow at 12. Until then, have a great day. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 85 The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms. 